Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to episode 153 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporek and today we are going to recap the winners and losers of the 2018 NBA draft. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brad, it's going extremely well. I've been looking forward to the draft for so long. It's over now. That was my <clears throat> my Christmas Eve. I've gotten no sleep. My voice is shot. Recorded so much video for my dating audience. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, my apologies. I'm going to cough all the way through this because I'm shot to hell, but I love it. It's it's perfect. Good. Yeah. I stayed up till 4 a.m. writing last night, and then as I went to bed, my I guess I was too loud and woke my wife up, and she looked at her clock, and she's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Only 4? I got to bed yeah. at 7. Oh, nice. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, the draft is on much later for you than it is for me. Oh yeah, like we. I, I'll even tell you about the setup we had because we were we were watching. Uh, I was with a lot of my my crew from my Danish side, and we had uh, we we'd gone to the local university and put it up on it on a big screen. Oh, cool. So yeah, we we did that last year as well. It's pretty fun. I'm considering doing like a major draft party for Danes next year. So if you're out there and you find that interesting, holler at me. Um, but yeah, so we did that and we just. We just zombied there for like five hours, and and at the end of the second round, we we're just looking at each other like, can can we keep on like tweeting names out because I can barely feel my fingers, <laughs> like we we're laughing at nothing because it was like six in the morning. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's I know, yeah. When it when it even started, my wife was like, "What time is it there for morning?" I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, about two a.m. there." She's like, "What? What the hell, man?" So. Shouts to all, <laughs> all of our European listeners out there who had a very late night if you braved the draft through the second round. Um, we're just going to basically, this is just going to be a free-flowing episode. We're going to hit on as many winners and losers as we can. Mm. I think the big winner of the night, obviously, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Oh, man. Who, they, they told him not to announce the picks preemptively as he has in previous years when he was with Yahoo Sports. And uh, in theory, a lot of the other major outlets, I, I believe Yahoo Sports as well, was supposed to also do the same. So then <laughs> Woj, a couple hours before the draft started, 
tipped the first six picks. He said, like, here's how the draft is shaping up with the first six picks. And then he starts announcing picks without actually announcing them, just coming up with different synonyms, like focusing on and lasered in on. And, oh, my God, it was, it was truly a master class mm-hmm. from Woj. And Shams got in on it, too. And then some of the other NBA reporters also got in on the joke. So really a landmark night for NBA Twitter. So good work, everyone. But uh, more... I know you've got one, the biggest winner of all for you in terms of teams. Fire away, man. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. I mean, look, um, Luka Dantich. You had the fifth pick coming into the draft, and you somehow ended up with Luka Dantich. I mean, Mm -hmm. shout out to Bobby Carella. Like, he was the happiest Mavs fan I've ever seen, and (laughs) I completely get that. That was so awesome. Yeah. I just, I love that. I love that Luca is going to the Mavs to spend a season with Dirk. That's mm-hmm. just it's so poetic in a way. And they also got like Jalen Brunson. Yep. Like they they got some good pieces. I really really enjoyed their draft and what they did. And I know that people are like, oh, but they gave up a, 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 an additional first rounder. Yeah, it's Luca. It's for Luca. It's not for some chump. This is for Luca Doncic, who's going to be like an organizational player and potentially like one of a full-fledged, max-caliber, designated player-type guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you give that up easily. I mean, I am I think Dallas just, that was a home run all the way through. Yeah, I, I and Kevin Pelton of ESPN.com had a thing, um, some analysis about that trade where he's like, you know, usually trade he doesn't advise trading up. The value isn't often great with a few exceptions, one of which was Donovan Mitchell last year. But he's in the same boat. He's like, the value for Luka here is just too great. And even if the Mavs gave up the number one pick, which they can't, they gave up a top five protected pick next year. So the worst they could, the worst damage it could be is number six overall. Mm-hmm. But even if it was number one, he said it's still probably a good trade. Because Luka, in terms of his statistical uh, analysis and like preview of what, or projection of what Luka was going to do, he said it's, I think it's the best prospect he's had since Anthony Davis yeah like LeBron wasn't in his database because he was coming out straight from high school but like Luca has that caliber of like as you said not only a max player but like a designated better rookie extension max like a 30% max guy like he Mm -hmm. is he's your new franchise player Dirk is in the twilight of his career Luka Doncic is the Mavs franchise guy for the next 15 years so Giving a a top five protected pick in a draft, you know, in a 2019 draft that right now doesn't seem to be as strong as this one wound up being and last year's ended up being. I mean, there's still a lot of time. Things can change. Players can emerge out of nowhere. We don't know. But, you know, there's also a chance that the Mavs are, you know, I don't think the Mavs are going to be that bad next year, especially because now, you know, we've heard reports from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer among others who said they're going to go big game hunting in free agency for a center and they've got you know Clint Capella's out mm-hmm. there Boogie. Boogie's out there DeAndre Jordan possibly like if you add mm-hmm. Boogie to you know a, a Doncic DSJ yeah. Dirk core you got Harrison Barnes you saw Wes Matthews like they might not be a playoff team next year but that's at least a 35 win team I I think they're that's a playoff team, Brian. It might be. I mean, assuming of course, 
Right. And then assuming, of course, the boogie like is right. healthy, right? Yeah. We don't know about the Aquilas. But I think... Here's the thing, though, and I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. Dantage is NBA-ready. Like, yeah. people don't talk about that part of him enough. Like, they, mm-hmm. they crap on him from being for, for being European and yada, yada, all that. But one layer of the whole Doncic debate is he's going to come in ready to go. He just went through an 80-game season. Yeah, that's true. He's like he's just he's ready. Yeah. I mean, he's going to come in next year and put up numbers. I mean, he's not going to be one of those guys like, oh, for the first two months of the season, you're going to come off the bench and get the rookies. Reason. No, no, he's a fully-fledged starter from day one. If he, and if he's not, I'm going to fly to Dallas and kick Rick Carlisle in, in the ass. I mean, that's just <laughs> obviously he should be a, a straight-on starter from day one right i mean and to your point like the rookie wall is theoretically less of a concern for him because as you said he just played i think an 82 game season um which is the exact length oh of that's an right NBA. he did yeah yes. you're right it was 82 which is the exact same length of an nba regular season whereas all these guys from college at most they play like 35 37 games so we've seen it time and time again where you hit January, and these guys just, they hit this lull. But Doncic is, is already a professional. He's been a professional for a couple of years now. He's he's accustomed to, you know, pacing himself throughout that length of a season. So, yeah, I'm with mm. you more. Like, that's not, I don't think Dallas is necessarily not a playoff team. It's just like the West is really effing good and is yeah. only going to get better because, yep. you know, now... Who knows what happens with the Lakers? The Suns are going to be better than they were last year. Like mm-hmm. I was, th- I mean, just in general, like there are very few rosters now after last night where I look at that team and it's just like I don't see any pathway to thirty-five, forty wins. I get that. I get like, that. Like I, th- I just think there are a lot teams in general are just better and well managed and like. Some team is inevitably going to have 15 or 20 wins next year because injuries strike and, you know, whatever happens, then you realize you're screwed and you start tanking. But, like, uh, most of the bad teams last night got better. Oh, yeah. Significantly so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just just to wrap up the Doncic thing. Um, so, as you know, like, especially on NBA Twitter, before the draft, you know, you had people questioning his his personal demeanor like some would describe him as selfish and some would describe him as like an ego centered guy mm-hmm. um i asked around uh with my european network and i have a guy who is in deep with lots and lots of important people in and around europe like in every country and i more or less just <laughs> forced him to call people <laughs> and to because i wanted to get to the bottom of this like does sure. luka Doncic has an, an ego problem an attitude concern or whatever mm-hmm. he got back to me you know a couple of days later and he was like i spoke to so many people some were actually upset with me mm. like no he does not have an attitude problem like it's mm-hmm. complete and utter bullshit and, and and he talked to so many people. I mean, it was like everything that came back was just this guy is like the best guy you would be able to meet. Like he's just he's got no of these. You know, don't get me wrong when I say this, but like catch my drifter. He's got none of the AAU tendencies. Mm-hmm. Like I'm all the right. shit. You know? Yeah. Right. 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 That was that. So I just wanted to 
come out with that. I want to squash that one. Like, if yeah. you're out there and you think that Luca has an attitude problem or is self-centered or whatever, like, forget about it. Forget about it. I have very stable sources on this one. He's not. He is a good kid, and he is he's, his head is screwed on correctly. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> we'll get to the Kings in a bit when we hit the losers, but, you know... There is no concern about him playing next to Dennis Smith Jr., right? Because he's played, he played in Eurobasket next to um, Goran Dragic. He spent the whole year playing next to a point guard. Like, yeah, he's a really good playmaker, but like he could play next to a nominal point guard, and it's actually only going to make him better, right? Yeah, he needs a point guard. The thing is, that's also a misconception. People think that Luca is coming in as a six-eight point guard. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's a wing. Like he's, yeah. he's probably more of a two than a three. But then again, in day, in today's world, right. like a two and a three, same thing, right? Right. I mean, he's a wing. Yeah. But he's a secondary ball handler. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing about that: he's not just some secondary ball. Handler. He's like the perfect and the best secondary ball handler you could ever imagine. Like right. he he will eventually give you seven assists from the shooting guard position. Like yeah. that's that's a thing. But he does need to have a guy who he can share ball handling duties with. We saw that at Eurobasket when he was playing with Goran Dragic. Like, those two just figured it out. And I, this is a hyperbole, but just understand what I'm saying here. Like, there was a little bit of that Chris Paul, James Harden thing going on with those two. Like, mm-hmm. they, they were able to mesh. It wasn't necessarily just a my turn, your turn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they would play off of each other. Like, when Doncic was, was having the ball... And started creating like Goran Dragic would would actively seek out like the corner and move away from the right. ball in terms of like spacing the court and wait for kickouts. So both of them could actually engage in a sort of point guard shooting guard role. Mm-hmm. And I think that was going to be the same thing in Dallas with Dennis Smith Jr. Like he's going to feed a lot out of Dennis. Dennis is on the other hand like he's going to add a component that Goran Dragic doesn't have. Like he's going to back cut. And Luca yeah. is going to find him for lobs, which yeah. is going to be extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, I really like that pairing, and I am also fully expecting Dennis Smith Jr. to become a better shooter as he mm-hmm. as his career progresses because he it wasn't like the best he wasn't the best three point shooter last year, but that will improve. And, and I think those two guys in the backcourt they're going to be so good, so yeah. good. Yeah, like the Mavs have their backcourt for the next ten years. I don't think they need oh, to yeah. overthink this one. Right, like, and, and and here's the thing: like, we talk about Bradley Beal and John Wall and all those guys. Like mm-hmm. in a couple of years, we're yeah. kind of mention that backcourt. Yeah, yep, totally agree. Yeah, he reminds me of like, it's a, it's a kind of fly comparison because Devin Booker is a better shooter than him, but it's like what the Suns are trying to make Devin Booker into. Like they want him to be that kind of secondary ball handler, playmaker type role. Mm-hmm. Luke is a much better passer, of course, but. Booker's a better shooter, but like it's that same type of idea. Like we right. we've talked about this before. You don't it right now. You don't only want one ball handler on the floor because if you can cut that guy off, your offense dies. Like right. having multiple guys who can make plays for themselves and others is a good thing. Having Dennis Smith Jr. next to Luka Doncic is only going to make both of those guys better. So you know, I I tweeted this last night, but it's like and you alluded to it before, Mort. It's wild that. The teams with the number four and five picks entering the night wound up with the two best players, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's my next big winner is the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
<laughs> they benefited from the Kings taking Marvin Bagley second. So Jaron Jackson, who has a realistic chance of becoming the best big man in his draft class, fell right into their laps at four. And yep. now they don't have, you know, Jackson can play interchangeably. Like, eventually you want him to play the five. But right now, because Memphis remains committed to Mark and Saul, you can play him at the four. You could put him as your backup five as well. Like, there will be minutes for him in either position. He could shoot threes. He's has the quickness to really switch to even to guards. Like, yep. they have, you know, now they have their heir apparent to Gasol in the future, but they also have a guy who can play with them. It's like... It, I mean, they just lucked out completely that, you know, the Bagley went second and the Jackson just fell right into their lap. But right. kudos to Memphis for not screwing it up. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, look, here's the thing with Memphis, right? They could have messed it up. They yeah. could have gone in a different route and they didn't. Like, there was some talk about them wanting to win 50 games. Mm-hmm. And instead, and that all credit to them, like, they decided to look at the big, big, big picture and go for the guy left on the board with the highest upside. Yep. I mean, yes, that's what you do. That's absolutely mm-hmm. what you do, obviously. And yeah. by the way, just before we forget it, remember when, a, I think it was about a year ago, you and I talked about how the draft could actually end up um, further dissing the, yeah. the West yeah. and the, the East? The yeah. top three guys in this draft, like the three guys that were in there in its year of themselves... I mean, mm-hmm. Dontage, Aiden, Jackson, all yep. went west. They this sure was did. my big concern a year ago. I remember I, I brought it up several times. Yep. Like, the the west is getting a lot richer, yep. which is really, uh, I don't know if it's if I'm at that point where it's concerning, mm-hmm. but the east could use one of those guys. Well, at a certain point, stars are going to realize that, you would think, and they're just going to say, like, what, especially if LeBron goes to the Lakers this summer, you're going to look at the East and it'll be like the Celtics and the Sixers and who else? Like you have an right. easy pathway to the second round of the playoffs at least and like a feasible chance of making the finals. Whereas in the West, you're going to have to go through the Warriors, the Rockets, and a bunch of these up-and-coming teams as well. Like mm-hmm. You would think free agency will help shift that power balance, but you're right, right? Like the, the West especially the lottery teams in the West last night got significantly better. I also, for the Grizzlies, I like their pick in the second round, Javon Carter. I think he's going to be a great, you know, he's not going to be, I don't think, whereas Jackson is the heir apparent to Gasol, I don't necessarily think Carter is the heir apparent to Conley, but like, he'll be a great backup point guard for them. He's He's a bulldog. He's a bulldog. He's he's the perfect type of grit and grind guy for them. Yep. Um, And yeah, I mean, to your point about, like, the Grizzlies, there was talk leading up to the draft about them at least weighing, dumping the number four pick just to get out of Chandler Parsons' contract. Mm-hmm. Like, kudos to them for not doing that. Who gives a shit? Like, right. it's two more years. Don't piss away an asset. Like, you, I mean, if Gasol and Conley stay healthy and you keep both of those guys next year, you're probably not going to have the number four pick next year. Like, this is your one chance to get that type of foundational piece. Yeah, get like trying to get out of Chandler Parsons' contract is not worth giving up nine possible years of Jaron Jackson Jr. I couldn't agree more. I think and that I think Denver realized that as well. They were apparently shopping fourteen yep. and Kenneth Fareed, but decided you know that let's just hang on to this asset. And yeah. Fareed is done after this year, 
will be in deep because we have to extend Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. But and Gary Harris's extension is going to kick in. But let's just swallow it for a year and then get Kenneth off the books, and then we we'll go from there. I respect that. Like, and also I like the 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 Wizards. They were con- contemplating mm-hmm. the same thing with the fifteen of Marching Cortat, yep. and I'm so glad they didn't pull that trigger because oh my god, how I I'm so hyped about the Troy Brown selection for mm-hmm. Washington. I love it. Love. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Nuggets, I think they're they're my next big winner. You know, I, I understand there's a lot of risk with Michael Porter Jr. at 14, Matt Moore of the Action Network, who's in Denver, plugged into the organization after the draft last night. You know, he, he said this is his opinion. It's not based on any concrete reporting, but there's a non-zero chance that Porter Jr. takes a redshirt year this year because um, the, the Nuggets last night were basically just saying they're going to they were preaching patience with Porter Jr. Um, you know, it sounds like <laughs> if he fell that far, if he fell to 14, there's at least some concern over mm-hmm. the long-term outlook of his back. And I think, you know, I, I think at 14, and I wrote a piece that is either going up, uh, it should be on Give Me Sport probably by the time this episode goes up, uh, about, you know, this is, um, oh no, I sorry, I wrote it for B-Ball Breakdown. Did a lot of writing last night. Um, but <laughs> it, it, like, this is the place where you take a home run swing if you're Denver at 14. Because like, the odds of finding you know, a f- five-time future all-star at that spot are just not great. But right. Porter Jr., if he stays healthy, has that upside. If you're Denver, you don't need to rush him back. Like You were one game right. away from the playoffs. Paul Millsap missed half the season. Even if, you know, even if Porter strikes out and can't stay healthy like you still have Jokic you still have Murray you still have Gary Harris like you have a really strong core for the future so at that you know swing for the fences like this is a home run at swing and if if it hits like you have really like the missing piece you have a 20 point per game wing scorer who can be your go-to guy late if for whatever reason Murray and Harris are like being locked down by to like a tough opposing backcourt um it's I, I mean i love it like i i think it's just at that point it's so worth the risk and they're in the position to really allow him to come along slowly like i i if, if you take him in the top five you're gonna have to you're gonna feel the pressure to play him right away yeah even though it's dumb like joel mb had missed two seasons and no one cares now but you know if you spend the top five pick on a prospect you're expecting immediate returns from him at 14 i just don't think there's that much pressure denver Mm. also isn't like i mean in terms of national attention to the nuggets it's not a huge market so i think he'll be able to kind of sink under the radar a little bit right so if he does miss a whole season or half a season or whatever it's not going to be like if he ended up on the kings and then everyone would be like kings they wasted their pick or if he ended up you know even in the clippers like I, you know, I know there was some criticism last night of the Clippers for not taking Porter Jr. with one of their two picks that right before, but I think there would just be more of a spotlight on him in that yeah, situation, yeah. yeah, than in Denver. So I, you know, what the hell, Denver? Like, go for it. I think it was a a really really smart gamble at that spot. So I didn't see the Matt Moore tweet. Are you saying that he proposed, like, in his opinion, that he was that Porter Jr. is not going to play next year? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I think that's fair. 
I think that's fair. And also, I think that might be the best course of action. The thing yeah. is, though, and you have to consider this, like, he lost out on a year of development at Missouri because he couldn't do anything. Right. So I think Denver is probably going to handle it a little bit differently. Like, they'll make sure that he's, he, that he's you know, progressing, but they'll right. still make sure that he's somehow, some way developing, be that, like, basketball IQ, watching a lot of film, doing whatever. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they'll they'll trap they'll get him along, uh, in a, in a in a certain way which ultimately could prove beneficial for him. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But now now that you said Kangs, <laughs> like let, let's go to a loser. And here's the thing. Yeah. Um, I just realized something because, like I told you, I'm very tired. I just came off of of recording some video for my daily site, and I had three losers, which were Atlanta. And then the two LA squads, mm-hmm. and I completely forgot about Sacramento. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's because. And you know why I did that? Because I assumed they'd fuck up, <laughs> and they did. And they did. So it didn't yeah. even register afterwards. I'm going to replace the Lakers, which I had as one of my my losers here. Yeah, and and go with the Kings. So yeah. because I can't fault Atlanta for not taking Doncic and then not penalize the Kings for. Right doing the exact same thing. Right. At least Atlanta got Trey Young Trey Young out of it. Yeah, and a future I mean, first round pick. And a future first round pick. And I had Trey Young higher on my big board than I had Marvin Bagley. So yeah. I mean Kangs will be Kangs. And this was <laughs> undoubtedly a PR move, Brian. This was them yeah. listening to a fan base you know, just crazy for some kind of thing. But the thing is they listened to the wrong kind of fans. Because when I was scrolling through, like, you know, <laughs> this is tongue-in-cheek, but clever King's Twitter, right? I saw so many disappointed people. Like, yeah, I, oh, I was going to no. say, like, I, I, all of the King's people I follow or who yeah. just came across my timeline, all of them wanted Doncic. Yeah. I didn't see a single person who was excited about Bagley. No, I, I saw, like, some retweeting, retweeting it because they thought it was funny and, and stuff like yeah. that. But, but that was <laughs> right. mostly, like, that was the casual Kings fan. Hmm. But, you know, the, the the knowledgeable Kings fans were like, no way is this happening. Right. Why is this happening? This is so dumb. And, yes, it is. And it, it's so unfortunate because they actually were starting to get back on the right path, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they made some good moves last year. They absolutely fleeced Phoenix two years ago, yeah. and and now they had a chance to get Luca freaking Dantic, and they whiffed, Brian. They just whiffed. Well, I mean, you alluded to one of my two problems with it is even if you weren't high on Dantic, there were enough teams that were that you take him and you trade down because right. clearly, you know, that Mavs offer would have been there. You probably could have even gotten a little bit more out of them. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the the magic probably wanted in on that as well. Like there, there was clearly enough reported interest in Luca that you should try to extract assets if you could. There were two comments that came out either before or after, or actually three comments that came out. Uh, I think a couple before and one after that really, you know, as if I didn't hate that pick enough. It already made me even angrier. Uh, right. The first was, I think this was from Carmichael Dave, who's a Kings guy. Uh, he spoke to a source, and they said Bagley was number one on their board. 
ahead of Aiton, ahead of Jackson, ahead of Doncic, the number one player on their board. Oh, Afterward, no. they said, I think this was Vlade who said that Bagley can play the three, the four, and the five. No, no, don't do they, it, Vlade. They also expressed concern about taking the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands, which is, that's what, that was their justification for passing on Doncic. <sighs> they wanted to keep the ball in De'Aaron Fox's hands. All right, all right. Vivek Ranadiva, I'm addressing you personally <laughs> right now. Look, um, as, Some as... The team. <laughs> no, no, actually not. Look, um, Vivek, I'm I'm actually unemployed at this point in time. So if you need me to come in and save your franchise, or just like <laughs> to turn thing around, or just offer a logical presence, and I, I'm international, so that's that's a thing I have going for me. Yep. I I mean I'm here, I'm right here. So just give me a call. I'll help you. I'll hold your hand. I'll go through. How things work with you and and, and think works with the, with the franchise rather, and and I'll help you get settled. I'm no, I'm not, I'm not upset with you, Vivek, not anymore, because I realize that you are just not very bright at doing your job. Yeah, I'm here to help you, kiddo. Okay, just yeah. call me. Yeah, and see, I'm using my soothing voice, so you know I won't be a threat. <laughs> you you had a good tweet yesterday. I think it was you, right? Who you were like. Uh... When the Kings used that crowdsourcing experiment yep. a couple of years ago, yep. this was probably the year to do that instead because this, like, literally every other Kings fan, as you mentioned, was like, take effing Luka Doncic. Do not yep. do this. It's just... Look, and I, I you know, we're, we're shitting on the Kings because everyone's going to today. I hope Marvin Bagley is good. Like, this is nothing oh, against yeah. Marvin Bagley. Like, I want... Every prospect in this draft to hit their ceiling. It sucks yep. when guys bust. I hate, you know, how quickly we give up on these guys. Like, I really do hope Bagley fares well there. It seems, mm-hmm. like, obviously, they are very high on him, especially they, they said him and Harry Giles are going to be, like, their front court of the future, which... Oh, my I guess, God. Yeah, I guess that means time to start bidding on Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, but it's, you know, there's just... It's the Kings, like... You just have to assume the worst at this point, and especially given, especially given how many big men they've gone through, they've cycled through in recent years. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing that gives me confidence in their ability to develop Bagley the way that they should. Especially if they're talking about playing him as a small forward. He's six yeah. eleven. Like that's. That, that, have you watched yeah. the NBA in the last five years? Like what the effing f are you doing if you're saying yeah. Marvin Bagley can play the three? Oh yeah, and here's the thing. I, I I'm so glad you brought that up. The uh, the, the Marvin Backley point uh, about hoping he, you know he becomes better or realizes his potential rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think he could be the rookie of the year. I think yeah. he actually has the potential to come in right off the bat and average 2010. And I realize that I make I, I sound like you know an idiot uh, or an insane person when I say that, but I legitimately think that he can put up great numbers. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can put up a lot of impactful numbers in the right. sense where, and, and you know, numbers are numbers, but I just don't, I think he, he's way more of like an Anton Jameson type, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of good points and good stat lines, but not all over influential in the grand scheme of things. Right. And with the Kings, I'm just worried that they're going to look at those raw numbers and go, oh my God, he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. And then they decide to just build everything around him, not mm-hmm. realizing that he's and he he's supposed to be a 
a complementary piece and not the centerpiece. Yeah. That's that's concerning to me because I think personally that the centerpiece should be De'Aaron Fox. I think he's good enough to to warrant that mindset at least. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, it's just it, the, there's it's like hard to find a quote unquote tweener in the NBA today because like mm. it's become so positionless. But Bagley might be one of the rare examples where he is a tweener, where like you know, and people. He, he got very mad in the pre-draft process for people saying he's not a good defender, but there's, you know, nothing on tape in his last year at Duke suggests he's going to become, like, an all-world defender by any means. He's not big enough or quick enough to defend fives or fours, so it right. just begs the question of, like, what, where is his best... Or threes. <laughs> or threes. Well, I don't know. Talk to Vlade. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 I, I mean, it sucks. Like Kings fans, we we feel for you. Where we you know, honestly, you are some of the most loyal fans in the NBA. Because most fans, if their team shit on them this much, they would have jumped ship long ago. Until you know, if they acquire Steph Curry and then bandwagon back on, like all. Oh the no, no, no they did, did acquire Steph Curry. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, has anyone checked in on Tom Siller? Are we absolutely sure that he's still alive right now? Yeah, he uh, he's like not tweeting anymore, which probably oh. is smart. Yeah, because yeah. he, he he realized Twitter can be accessible, and now he's actually just trying to raise money for immigrant families, which is actually really nice. But, oh, he is. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah, okay, good yeah. on you, yeah, Tom. He, that's instead that's of tremendous. tweeting. He like literally he tweeted he tweeted something about uh, he wrote a story last night about like the Sixers draft swap which I want to read but he's like instead of tweeting that link I'm tweeting this link to raise money to prevent uh, the heinousness that's going on in Texas right now so yeah shout out to Tom Ziller for being that's a good awesome. dude being a stand up dude and for knowing not to tweet about the Kings right now it's really probably best for your health. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even realize. I'm looking over his feet right now. I have no idea how I, I, I did not realize this. Okay, well, over the past 48 hours, Twitter has been pretty active. So it, right. I guess it is, you know, physically possible for me to to not look at five tweets. But <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Good on you, Tom. Good on you. Yeah. Um. All right. Who should we talk about next? Do Wendell I, Carter. Who? Wendell? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got your boy? Yeah, I got my gonna... boy, but I, I'm just, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised. Are you going to praise Garpax? Is this, no. is this about to happen? No, not going to praise them. <laughs> uh, why should I praise them for doing the obvious thing? Of what I, Should I be praising them for not doing, or you know, not doing the, the wrong thing? I mean, yeah, this was kicks, logical. The kicks didn't do that? Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, I came in... Um, Believing that the Bulls were just going to pick Michael Porter Jr. regardless, like that's, right. I, so I was and I I thought he was I don't I I haven't even had Michael Porter Jr. in the top fifteen of my big board, by the mm-hmm. way, he was outside the damn lottery for me, mm-hmm. and I was just uh, of course he's gonna go there, sure. And then they they then they went with Carter, who I has had and as number four on my big board, so mm-hmm. they actually at seven got. For me, a top four player in this draft, which mm-hmm. was very surprising because it's been a while since they actively went out and, and hit a home run in the draft. 
And I'm say, I'm saying that fully realizing that they hit a home run with Laurie last year. Yeah, that's a good about but to say. I, but but I don't think that counts. And here's why. Oh yeah. They didn't even interview Laurie, right. and they certainly didn't work him out. Like right. that was all based on what I, I'm guessing like secondhand knowledge. Mm-hmm. So in in layman's terms, they lucked the fuck out. Yeah, right. So I'm yeah. not gonna give them credit for that. This yeah. one, I'll give them, you know, a head nod for, hey, guys, you did the right thing. That's awesome. <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, oh, oh, at 22, you're you're grafting the guy you made a promise to over a month ago. Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Like, why do you make promises? Like, you, you saw Robert Williams was slipping. I know that you have a loaded front court, but like, he's got tremendous more, a lot more trade potential, or trade value than mm-hmm. a guy like Hutchinson. So like, yeah, uh, twenty two was like, eh. but I liked seven. Yeah, Wendell Carter yeah. and Laurie Markkinen is going to be one hell of a front court. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Um, and yeah, I mean. You could take issue with 22, I understand. And I think that's that's the fair criticism, is not necessarily Hutchison as a player, because that was like right around the range he was projected to be drafted at least. But right. yeah, it's like there were a lot of other guys, especially a lot of other 3 and D guys who went off the board in that range. Um, I mean, I, the reason you make a promise is to shut a guy down so he doesn't go take right. works out, workouts with other teams and you know doesn't go impress them and get drafted higher but it's still very bulls to make a promise to what how old is he 22 23 oh yeah he's a senior yeah. so obviously yeah <laughs> very very bulls to go that was after. very bulls yeah. yeah but he is a really good shooter i mean he he's gonna fill that void on the wing for them so i mean overall i think you're right the bulls had one hell of a draft um and i saw it some Bulls fans were making fun of Garpax or holding a press conference at the end of the first round last night that I saw. But mm. in their defense, Brett Brown also did that for the Sixers. He came back after the second round and did another one, but he did have like a 12-minute presser right at the end of the first round when the Sixers had still the 38 pick in the second round. So right. I think it was, I think that's like a little more common than Bulls fans realize or like we're giving Garpax credit for, but... I understand the optics were not great of that. Right. So instead of keeping on talking about Chicago because nobody wants that, I think we should talk about the Clippers. They're one of my losers, Brian, because I was expecting them to walk away with Miles Bridges and Sayer Smith. Mm. And, I mean, look, I I like, I I love uh, Shea Alexander. Yeah. I'm still not going to be able to pronounce that middle name accurately. (laughs) That's that's an American, you know, you can... You ask me how I pronounce, like, European names. Yeah. That American name, I can't say it. Like, I still have problems saying, like, Michael Kit Gilchrist. I have to, like, slow it down a little bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, those, those hyphens that you yeah. throw me. Um, I, was, I was hoping they would walk away with Miles Bridges. And to their credit, they selected Miles. Then right. They traded him. <laughs> yeah. um, and Sayer Smith. And, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that didn't happen because they took Jerome Robinson at 13. And yeah. that was a reach. Yeah, that it was seems quite like, the reach. I mean, there were rumblings that he was one of Jerry West's favorite prospects even coming into yeah. the draft. That's so right. it shouldn't have necessarily come as a huge surprise had you been reading the tea leaves. But that said, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people um, didn't have him projected to go that high just in terms of best player available. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, you just got to trust the logo, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, that's it. But, but then again, I mean, yeah, I trust the logo. Or you can argue that you can trust the logo. I just think they had a chance to walk away with something great here. Like, yeah. could you imagine Miles Bridges and Sayer Smith on the same team? Like, the, the athleticism, the defense... Oh my god, that that would create an identity. Mm. And it would create a culture, which, more importantly, I think the Clippers need. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised they took a point guard. They traded up for Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 11. They right. gave up two second-round picks to move up one spot. Like, they need a point guard. That's fine. And he, for all we know, he's going to be the best one in the draft. You know, he's 6'6". If that shot translates... You know, mm. he, he could be better than Colin Sexton, at least, who went three picks ahead of him. Oh, um, yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Um, so, I you know, I don't take umbrage with that. The Jerome Robinson thing, I get it. Like, I, I get why people are down on it. Like, I don't know enough about him to say definitively, like, that that was a bad pick. Like, you know, there are always going to be guys who are perceived reaches just based on talent and like you know how draft boards look but uh, you know the dude shot 40.9 percent on almost six three-point attempts per game like if you if you just believe that shot if you believe you know he's six seven he's a 40 plus percent three 40 plus percent three-point shooter right if you believe that's going to translate to the nba that you know that's what everyone's looking for these days Right. I think the problem with me for Jerome is the age mm-hmm. and the physical profile, which isn't fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, a small wingspan. He's only 6'5". There is some athletic ability there, and there's also certainly the scoring component. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, like, he's not a great rebounder. He's not a great mm-hmm. playmaker. He's, you know, defensively, in terms of garnering steals and blocks, it's really not looking good. He averaged almost three turnovers per game in college, playing mostly off the ball, which is almost impressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's a combination of him being both old, lacking in some serious skills, and not having the physical profile. Like, sure. I think he's going to be fine. Like, I, he's a first-round talent. I'm not knocking that. I'm knocking that he was selected 14th. I yeah. mean, there are so many guys I would rather have. Like, a guy like Shake Milton drafted 54th. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that he's in that same level as Jerome Robinson. Mm-hmm. I would definitely rather have DeAnthony Melton drafted at 46th mm-hmm. you yeah. know, at, at, than this. Yeah. No, it, it's fair. I mean, I think the <laughs> the moral is outside of, like, the top 10, 11 picks, like, really I have no confidence in saying the guy who got drafted 13th or 14th is going to be better than the guy who got drafted 46th. Like, right, I think there was just such a level range of like you're just taking flyers on all of these dudes. Like there are so many three and D wings, especially like mm-hmm. it's going to come down to your player development program, the system you have around them, how much they want to work. You know, like their their internal motor will go a long way. Whether you can carve out the minutes either on your main roster or in the G League, like. A lot of these guys could hit, could miss. I have no idea, but I, I hear you more. I mean, it's in terms of like just best player available, Robinson was probably a reach at 
13, especially with a guy like Michael Porter Jr. on the board there. So I can understand why people are calling and Zaire. Him losers. Yeah, and Zaire. Who was the guy so, I wondered? Like, yeah. yeah. Should we should we go to Zaire? I think but, we should. I think we should. I mean that uh, that that whole trade was was yeah. uh, was something. So let me just ask you this: sure. as a Philly fan, um, you you for months you've yeah. been on the whole Mikhail Bridges uh, wagon, right? He's selected, yep. and I assume that you're excited as shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then comes the trade. Like I understand that what you got in return was great. Mm-hmm. You got a guy with a higher upside. You got an additional mm-hmm. first round pick. That's like the trade in itself, from a value perspective, like you won that trade hands down. Mm-hmm. But even even so, even if you did that, is there not a component of you right now that's like, oh, but he would have been so good right off the bat, and he yeah. would just fit so well, and now he's not here anymore. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, and you know, Brett Brown in his presser alluded to that. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, we had. He says they had Mikhail and Zaire Smith one A and one B on their board. They took Mikhail. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and then when I, it's unclear who called who for that trade. Uh, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports said Philly called. Brett said the Suns called. Whatever. What someone called someone. And offered six, you know, Zaire at sixteen plus the Miami pick, and so if it was that close on the Sixers board, I understand why they did it. Um, yeah, I did have a lot of upset Philly fans in my mentions last night, which I thought was interesting because uh, it was like the whole draft for Philly was just like such a fucking Sam Hinkie draft. Like it was yeah. literally <laughs> Sam Hinkie, yeah. like, like Brett Brown channeled the spirit of Sam Hinkie. And, you know, trading down six spots to get an extra first rounder, trading 38 and 39 to get three future second rounders. Like, it's just, it's hanky all over. Um, so for that okay, reason, Can I just jump in and say that's impressive for a head coach to think that long term? Yeah, I know. And it, so I think that that part of it makes me more okay with it. Like, I understand Mikhail Bridges is much more ready next year to step in and make an impact right away. Whereas Zaire Smith and Brown said that like Zaire is more of a developmental guy, um, as you said, I think he does probably have the higher upside if only because of his age. He's about three years younger than Mikhail. Ooh, um, three? That, that's 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 a bit. Yeah, and like athletically, he jumped out of the goddamn gym at the combine. I think he was top five in most of the athletic testing. Oh yeah, he was insane. insane. Yeah, his max vert was like in the I think he was in the forty one range. Somewhere around yeah, there. something like he was he was insane like he had a great combine right so like the shot is not there yet whereas Mikhail's obviously was but when when Mikhail was Zaire's age he shot 30 percent from three so mm. you know do I believe in the sixers developmental system it's what it comes down to and like having seen Dario develop as a three-point shooter TJ, uh, we're just gonna disregard the faults thing entirely. Oh, you ruined my joke. I was just about to say, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, I I think there is hope that Zaire, as you said, could turn into the better NBA player down the road. I think the trade probably does make the team worse next year. But that said, they had a fifty-two win team without either one of those guys. So like, it was it was just weird because. You know, it is a process trade, and I had people in my mentions like that were really upset and were like, you know, 
why are they doing this? They have a team ready to win now. Like, why are they kicking the can down the road? And it's like, this is what they should be doing, though. Like, mm-hmm. you should, and as you said, like, it's impressive for Brett Bound to be thinking now and later. Like, that's what always trips up these dual coach GM guys. Yep. Is you can't balance the now with the future. And, you know, the, the temptation is just take Mikhail Bridges, who would slot in right away, mm-hmm. and you know ride him to whatever help help a 55 win season but by trading down you free up an additional 1 million in cap space Uh, ah that was yeah yeah. that was i was just about to mention because he did think about the now right yeah yeah and then yeah so there's that but then also uh as he mentioned this in his press conference this is the thing i was most impressed about 2021 is when high school Mm -hmm. players may be able to enter the draft right out of college zach Lowe reported this last week Brett Brown brought that up in his presser. Like, the fact that they were thinking, you know, with that Miami pick is, like, not only is it unprotected and, like, Miami could suck absolute ass in three years because who knows what direction that franchise is going, but, like, that draft class could be the most loaded draft class ever. In years. Yeah. Just because you're going to have the one and done plus the guy straight out of high school. All right. Um, I'm going to say something now. Okay. We have we've we have recently just crapped on you know the dual coach GM role right uh huh but with Brett Brown oh, no 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 just just hear me out here because okay. he has an advantage that other coaches have not he's been in a role as a head coach where winning wasn't demanded of him. Mm. where he for so many years got accustomed to realizing the value of gaining future assets. Mm -hmm. At the same time, however, he still functioned very well as a head coach. Sure. He developed his players. They were in the second round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's got a team that potentially within the next five years could win the championship. Mm -hmm. If there's one guy out there who I would probably trust after last night's draft with this dual role, it's Brett Brown because he's been everywhere right now. Yeah, and you know he had what a decade in the Spurs system where Pop has effectively exactly. functioned in that role. So. Exactly. I'm not arguing that he should become, right. but I'm saying that if like Philly doesn't really find the right guy on the market to head the hel- you know head the helm of the team, mm-hmm. like if they somehow just look at the market and go you know what we don't feel confident about the guys out there yeah like i would have no problem with my brett brown stepping in for a year and just taking over full gm role for a year yeah until they find the right guy right i think that is what i think that's why they're in no hurry to find a guy like i think they know the opening is so appealing just based on what they have and what they could become that they're in no rush just to fill it right before free agency, and they have the confidence for those reasons in Brett Brown to manage it for the time being. And, mm. like, yeah, I, I have more faith that he could manage the dual role successfully than Stan Van Gundy or Tom Thibodeau. Right. But, but Brett has already said he has no interest in doing it full-time. No, like, and I get that. I'm, yeah. what I'm, I'm just arguing that the dude seems to have an understanding of team construction that these other head coaches, including Doc Rivers, has not shown the ability to have. Like they have not shown the ability of the, of having the foresight to how and how to how you know to build a team 
on the long term while at the same time, you know, helming a team from a coaching perspective. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, and it's I, what I basically take away from this is you have such a huge asset in Brett Brown mm-hmm. that if your organization ever fires him, I'm going to be upset for your your sake. Oh man! On your behalf, I'm going yeah. to be so pissed. That guy <laughs> should be in your organization and have like a Jerry Sloan career. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, anyone who's in the fire Brett Brown camp still. Could just get the fuck out, find a new team. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he is an absolute he's amazing. Saint. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and it's weird. Like this whole the whole draft. I I almost want to give the Sixers an incomplete. Like I I don't, I don't feel comfortable grading them. Not only because you know who knows what right. Zaire Smith becomes, but like Brett said, we're going star hunting, and that 2021 first. Like I'm not convinced the Sixers ride it out and actually make that pick. It you know I I don't think it's a coincidence they added that unprotected first plus three future second round picks last night like I mm. I think that was in part asset accumulation whether it's for a Kawhi Leonard trade whether it's for another trade down the line that we just you know whatever disgruntled superstar comes out next right. whether it's to get more ammunition to dump Jared Bayless's contract like if they somehow convince lebron james to come they still need to get rid of jared bayless so now you have two more or three more second rounders you can use to get out of that like i was very impressed with um with with the way brett managed that dual role last night and yeah i'm encouraged about the future even if i'm less certain that lebron is coming to the sixers than i would love to go (laughs) Uh, the the one thing about the Sixers draft that I did get slightly confused by was the Landry Shamet pick at twenty six, and it's nothing against him because like again they they really had an archetype they went after with Zaire Landry uh, and Shake Milton in the second round. It's like a bunch of just rangy wings, uh, you know, both Shake and Landry shot I think right right around. Both were above 43% from three last year. But that said, you know, they, by taking him at 26, they let Robert Williams follow the Celtics at 27. And damn, man, the Celtics are an enormous winner of the draft for getting that. I mean, that guy was yeah. a lottery, or like a projected lottery pick. He was. Both last year and this year. To get him at 27 on a Celtics team that desperately needed a young center, like who fills that exact role that they need? Oh, it hurts. It really hurts. I know. He's I I think it look, I have Boston winning next year. I have Boston winning next year. Me too. This only strengthened my case. Yep. I mean, yep. Jesus. The the what they walked away there with at 27. I mean, Robert Williams. I mean, I thought he would go at the very least 25th to LA. Mm-hmm. Right. And then nope. Like they went yeah. when they went Mo Wagner, I was like, "Are you are you kidding me right now? Are you yeah. absolutely kidding me?" Yeah. And then yeah. I was when that happened, I was like, "Of course he's going. Like he's going to Boston. Of course right. he is." Right. And yeah. and they're not they're not gonna look at that and go, "Oh, we're gonna think outside the box." Like no, they're gonna go, "Oh, he's the best player left on the board. Let's take him." Right. Yeah, I know. <sighs> if anything, I understand that you know you've got Joel Embiid. You don't necessarily need another center like Robert Williams would project to be your longtime backup. So oh, I yeah, he get is. it. Yeah. 
but like just take him and make the Celtics trade for him because the Celtics were obviously fucking taking him. So mm-hmm. like just get another second round pick out of it because they definitely would have given that up. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah. shouts to the Celtics. Uh, Warriors another winner. Jacob Evans at twenty eight. I really like. I'm also I'm ecstatic that the NBA learned from the Bulls last year and no one sold them a second round pick because there were a lot of guys that came off the board. Even the, I mean, not only in the 30s, but even in the 40s. Like, D'Anthony Melton to the yeah. Rockets at 46. I love that. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah. That is, that is just, that is such an underrated pick. I yep. loved it. Yep. Like, if there's a guy who can come in right away and be that third guard to, to you know, Chris and James. Well, fourth guard, because you have Eric Gordon mm-hmm. there as well, yeah. obviously. But he can just provide this defensive depth. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a comp here, and I hate comps, but this, I, th- I feel this one sticks. Okay. He's a combination of two, one, one former and one current Celtic, Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. Ooh. His intensity level is off the charts, wow. and his defensive IQ is insane. Like mm-hmm. he didn't play this year because of the FBI issue. Like, yep. oh no, the kid took some money. How will we ever? Yeah, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. Go, right. go get your money, D'Anthony. Go get him. Doesn't matter. He's gonna come into this rocket squad, and I'm gonna tell you right off the bat: in about 11 months, we're gonna see him defend Stephen Curry in the playoffs, mm. and we're wow. gonna be talking about it on this very podcast. We're gonna when we are going to enter into like the conference finals. When are we gonna do like a conference finals preview? Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about oh how how long will will D'Anthony Melton be on Steph Curry? Should we just should he just stick to Curry? Should he go on Clay? That's the discussion we'll have. That's the type of player they got at forty six. Daryl wow. Morey is a genius, and I have no idea how D'Anthony Melton did not end up under Tips. Mm. I have no idea. I thought that he, I thought Tips would probably go that route. Well, I actually really like what the Timberwolves did too, though. Oh, I did too, but I just thought the profile would fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like Josh Akogi at twenty, and then Kata Bates Yap at forty-eight. Like, yeah, no, that was that was awesome. I'm high on both of those guys. I'm mm-hmm. just worried that because it's Tibbs, they're going to get buried. You know, he's not going to play him at all next year. But after the Timberwolves fire Tibbs after next season, they got yep. two like that. Those are two good guys to have in your pipeline. They are rotation players right off the bat. Yeah. They really are. But, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was just interesting to me. But D'Anthony Melton, oh, good Lord. Like, if people out there, Rockets fans specifically, are like, oh, who is this kid? Is he even going to be any good? You are going to love him. Love him. Absolutely love him. He is going to be one of those guys who 29 other fan bases are going to hate. He mm-hmm. is the undersized shooting guard version of Joakim Noah <laughs> in that sense. Like, oh. he's going to get under everybody's skin. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that pick for them. I like the Pistons in the second round I thought also did pretty well with Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they did. But, I mean, that yeah. added some depth, and Lord knows they needed that. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I dug what they did. Um I know you named the Lakers as a loser for Mo Wagner, but their second round picks I was I'm a fan of. With Bonga and Svee. Oh, with Svee? 
Yeah. Shvidoslav Mikalik. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Show yeah. off. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I probably didn't. I, I probably butchered that one. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, I, I had the Lakers as a loser just because there were superior options on the board. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, look, uh, you had Kita Bates Jope in the, in the second round. You had Shake Milton. Mm-hmm. Like, you would probably go that route. You had Mitchell Robinson in the first round. I mean, it's. I didn't. I just didn't see what they were trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And I. I mean, okay, fair enough. They got Isaac Bonka. I like Isaac, mm-hmm. but he's a stash pick. Right. And he, there's also there's always some question marks with stash picks. Are they going to get enough minutes in their European clubs? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I like him. If he comes over, that's fine. You know, in a couple of years, and he's going to be good. That then I'll change my mind. Mm-hmm. But in terms of who the guys were on the board, and if they are legitimately going after LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been in their best interest to go with some guys uh, that are really affecting the game. Could you imagine if yeah. they'd taken, like, DeAnthony Melton at 39th? Like, yeah. LeBron would know. Like, right. let's let's not underestimate what LeBron... The, LeBron watches everything, including college. Sure. LeBron would know this dude is for real. Yeah. And he would go, oh, oh, I'm 33. I don't really play defense anymore because I can't really handle that anymore. And here we have this this you know twenty year old firebug who'll guard multiple positions positions and who'll take a lot of defensive pressure off of me. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good for me. Yeah. But instead, like, hello, Mo Wagner, or and hello, Stash Pick. Like, right. what the hell? Well, I mean, who's V? Like, what? <laughs> I was about to say this. The stash pick makes sense because they're gonna they need as much cap space as they can. But second round picks don't count against the cap until you sign them. So that I know, but that's not gonna help LeBron out now. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You could definitely make a case that Robert Williams twenty five and uh, Melton at thirty nine would have been. Oh, see now that would have been a good draft. That would have been yeah. a winner team. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about uh, LeBron's current team. At least his current team for. Eight yes. more days. <laughs> yes. Uh, what the hell? Colin Sexton eight. Alright. Yeah. So talk me into he, it. I I um kind of because okay. and kinda of not, because here's the thing. I, I still think it was a reach, but I I have a theory about something. And it sort of lines up with what Ricky is basically Ricky O'Donnell, who's a guest on our podcast last time around. Mm-hmm. Um he he's saying something every year that's that's pretty true, and that is if you have a guy, like if if you have a guy who you just know, that's your guy. That's who you want to take, and there's there are no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't matter if you reach. Just go get him, go secure him, and take it from there. Mm. I think that's what Cleveland did, because I cannot imagine that they were just like, huh, I guess we'll take Sexton. I can't imagine that's the mindset. I think they looked at him and honestly thought that's our dude and then mm-hmm. they just wouldn't risk trading down to get him like they would take him at eighth they would take all the ridicule and it'll just go we don't care because that's our guy mm-hmm. like that, that this is just me speculating because that's the sure. only argument i can produce that would make it okay for them to take him this high mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean it's just if you were, you know, that number eight pick was your best asset if you're a Cavs GM or Cavs fan or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. It's your best asset to convince LeBron to stay. And no, you're probably at that range. You weren't going to get a difference maker, enough of a difference maker who's going to like, you know, factor into the finals enough that it's going to like swing the finals in the Cavs' favor. But right. I just, Colin Sexton just felt like they are, you know, they just like pushed. LeBron was already going to leave. But, like, this just sealed the deal. Like, he has no reason to come back. No, but could they have chosen anyone, though, that yeah, would have right. tipped the scale? I mean, I don't yeah. think so. Probably they, not. I, and I will Porter, say, I guess. Yeah, not for LeBron. LeBron would be like, oh, I heard about the back injuries. Yeah, probably. I can't have that. No, here's the thing I like, because you actually have a pitch to LeBron with the Colin Sexton selection, which is he's a bulldog of a guard. Like, he'll play both ends of the court but he'll score. Like, he'll get into the paint. He can take possessions away from you so you don't tire out. Mm-hmm. And here's another another thing. Are we in agreement that regardless, if LeBron stays or leaves, Colin Sexton should be starting full-time from day one when you make this type of investment in him? Like, if George Hill is starting over Colin Sexton next year, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I think if LeBron stays, George Hill starts. If LeBron leaves, Colin Sexton starts. Oh, I wouldn't do it. I was. I don't think. I think you need to throw one of these young guys into the fire with LeBron. Yeah. Because I think you learn so much. I would agree. I, I just you know I, yeah. I don't think LeBron at age thirty three really is like psyched to like guide a rookie through. You know he basically did that with Clarkson and Rodney Hood and like. By the end, he you could just sense his palpable frustration. All right, but this guy is actually a little bit good, <laughs> which is like there's I'm just still, saying. There's still hope for Rodney Hood, just not in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I, I'm, yeah. Rod, like now, if LeBron leaves and Rodney Hood next to Sexton, could be mildly interesting. <laughs> Very mildly interesting, <laughs> like. Um, we have we have a piece of myself. chicken and I'm just gonna salt it a little bit, kind of mild. <laughs> yeah, you know, I gotta give Cavs fans something to look forward to, so it's gonna make it easier to watch a 21 team next year. Mm. Um, we haven't talked about the Suns yet, have we? No, but they're a winner, so let's yeah. talk about them. Even even yeah. after the trade, they lost the trade to you guys, right? Um, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. but even even though they did that, they're still a winner. I mean. DeAndre Aiden is DeAndre Aiden, and yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. And Mikhail Bridges is ready to produce at this point. I mean, he's just going to be ready. What tipped the scale for me to make it like a, a slam dunk for their draft? Yep. Elio Kobo yep. at 31. Yep. So, once again, Brian, I'm going to say something. I think he could start from day one. I agree. I agree he's that. that good. Yep. I the uh, yeah, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports said they expect him next year. Um, yeah. I thought he was going to be a target for the Sixers at twenty six. Honestly, mm-hmm. I thought I was. I didn't know if he was coming over next year or not. I thought he might have been a draft and stash guy for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very high on Akobo. He had a forty four point game last month. Shot yep. over forty one percent from three, I believe, this year after like thirty one percent last year. That the Suns are who I wrote about. Forgive me, sports. So there will be an article uh, from me shortly there, and I, I feel like you, I mean, there's, the Suns are clear winners, but like you could 
you could have the perspective that they left something on the table. Like they, they could have taken, you know, both you and I had Doncic as their our yeah, number one could. guy. Right. So like they could have had a better draft conceptually, but like mm-hmm. I'm fine with what they did. Like Aiton at number one, I don't think is anywhere near as egregious as Bagley at number two. Agreed. Like I you know, I could talk myself into Aiton. I, I especially yeah. Yeah. next to with Booker, um, as you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Shaq and Kobe 2.0 thing necessarily, but like they could be a really good combo together. I mm-hmm. think the de- the defensive concerns with Aiton are real, but again, he did play out of position most of the year, um, and like this might actually. I I'm kind of wondering if this leads to a Marquise Chris revival. I mean, it better. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean. Yeah. At this point in time, I wouldn't even be surprised if Phoenix, you know, are considering not picking up his fourth-year option. They should. You should right. all – hey, dear NBA teams, you should all pick up, you know, players' fourth-year options because they're cheap and you don't you don't ever know what's going to happen. Counterpoint, uh, Julio yeah. for. No, no, even then. Like, you just do it and then you look at it. I mean, unless you're in a spot where you can attract free agents. That's the right. only excuse. Like Wait, you do I... it and you see what shakes out. I mean, yeah. look at the Hasonia thing right now. Yeah, That's just, I agree. Yeah, you, you just don't. I get no, it. No, I, I wouldn't give up on Chris either. Like I, I kind of think he's the kind of like springy weak side shot blocker who's going to help make up for whatever defensive concerns Aiton has at least initially. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, at least there's a chance. And like, I mean, so I, I wrote. I mean, my my whole thing at Give Me Sport is like. I don't know that the Suns are necessarily a playoff team next year, but right. now they have a really interesting young core with Aiton, Booker, Bridges, uh, Josh Jackson, and then plus TJ Warren, Chris, um, mm. Dragon Bender, and then Okobo as well. Like, that's a really. There are a few teams in the league who have, like, a better 25 and under group than them. So, like, they might not make the playoffs next year. But then they're gonna get out of Jared Dudley and Tyson Chandler's contract. Like they could be a sneaky player in free agency. I mean, hell, this year as well. But like next year, they could really have the type of like allure to actually get a somewhat big name free agent. I think mm-hmm. this summer they can still clear out about. I think it was like eighteen million in cap space. So I'd actually be really interested to see. I, I think they're still gonna go after a point guard. Um, you know, they have Brandon Knight, who's coming back from the torn ACL. I think I'm going to hope the Alfred Payton ship has sailed, because just no. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be really interested to see them go after, like, a Marcus Smart or a Dante Exum. Yeah. I mean, you would probably need a little bit more shooting, though. Wouldn't you? You got, I mean, it depends on who they start, but, like, right. a... Either one of those guys, Booker at the two, Bridges at the three, Jackson at the four, Aiton at the five, is mm. at least somewhat yeah. interesting to me. It is, and you had T.G. Warren off the bench. Mm-hmm. Plus Bender. Plus Bender, who can switch, surprisingly yeah. so. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like Jared Dudley, Tyson Chandler coming off the bench. Brandon Knight, yeah, he's the guy who sticks around. And Brandon so, Knight's not bad. Like He's, he's not, not, but he's you not don't know about his health. Right, yeah, he's coming off the torn ACL. But, like, he was playing pretty damn well before that. Well, 
two years ago. Like not right. last year, you know, he played only fifty four games. Like and that's not even this year. Like last year he played right, fifty four right. games, averaged just twenty one minutes a game. And just he was just abysmal. But the year before, the 2015-2016 season, he was averaging Mm -hmm. almost 20 points and five assists and four rebounds. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like he's got some game. The thing is, we have to look at the last two years and see, like how much did did these injuries just shred him as a player, if any? Because if they if they negatively affected him, you know, permanently, right? That's that's obviously the big concern. But if he comes back. And he's just like decent. That's a mm-hmm. win. Like that's yeah. a win right there. Yeah, because that's all you need from him. You don't need him to be an all star. Like you've got, like the the Suns. I think are going to be. I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I think they're going to be s- sneaky, like kind of good next year. Yeah, I can see that. They're one of the you know one of the upcoming teams that you talk about a whole bunch like the, the year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause no, I like, get that. Tyson Chandler also is going to be the perfect guy. Like, if you're going to draft a center with defensive issues, who better for him to learn from than Tyson Chandler, a former defensive player of the year? Like, he's going right. to be able to teach Aiden the mental aspect of the game, which will be huge. And now they just have a bunch of these, like, rangy wings who Dudley is going to be a, a valuable locker room presence to help guide a Jackson and a Warren and a Mikhail Bridges as well, but like he can also still play. He's not mm-hmm. washed by any means. So like, th- you know, they're they're assembling the type of like just totally switchable roster that I think is good that we've seen is like that's the thing in today's NBA. Yep. Oh, so many names. I mean, <laughs> when you look at it overall, I I I you know a lot of people call this draft boring. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I get it because you know Kemba wasn't traded a lot of like sure. there wasn't all that movement. But I think this draft sort of represented a revival of sorts. You know how we've talked about the league has been needing shooting guards. Like yeah. the league was was yeah. emptying out of shooting guards. Yeah. Well, this just brought a boatload of shooting guards <laughs> yeah. and, and small forwards. Like the wing is back in the NBA now. Right. I think this this draft might not be. You know, it might not go down as, as one of the great drafts of all time, but I think it might go down as one of the most necessary drafts in you know in recent history, simply mm-hmm. because the league was so short on these players. And now you have like let, let me just go on Wikipedia here because they have a great like position thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they have like fifteen or so solid shooting guards on this mm-hmm. list and an additional like 12, 15 small forwards. So the wing is back. And then they have a, a bunch of large point guards who yeah. could effectively play the two. Right. I mean, this is this is really, really interesting. You, we, you have the wing back. We didn't even hit on, like, Dante DiVincenzo to the Bucks, Lonnie Walker to the Spurs, right. Grayson Allen to the Jazz. Like, all three of those right. guys, they're, they're, those are going to be interesting picks as well. Um, Simons to the Blazers. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Like, they had him in for two workouts. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. liked him. And the fact that they got him, I think the I think the Blazers are really happy right now. Yeah, I, I think most teams should be happy with their hauls last night. Like I, I, Unless you're far, the Hawks. <laughs> there are far more winners than losers, in my opinion. That's true. Um, that is very true. Yeah. Yep. Any final thoughts on the draft before we wrap up, Mort? I mean... Do you want to go into your hawks, your anti-hawks? Sort of. I want to read you something. Okay. Um, so 
I'm actually doing like a Hawks piece, you know, regarding the draft for Give Me Sports. Mm-hmm. I haven't written it yet. I'm still trying to figure out a, you know, an angle on it. Mm-hmm. And what I did was, you know, our, our editor-in-chief, Mark Deeks, I couldn't help myself but send him like an intro I'd written about <laughs> the Hawks. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was very cheesy. So mind you, this is a very cheesy intro and I'm scrapping it, okay. which is why... I'm I'm going to read it here to you, okay? <laughs> Good, yeah. This was my analysis of the Hawks, uh, the the the, uh, the specifically the the Luka Doncic trade. Mm. Okay, here it goes. A man who recently had decided to turn his life around was walking on the street as he stumbled upon a winning lottery ticket worth fifty million dollars. <laughs> the man who had very few prospects was ecstatic about the find, realizing the magnitude of his luck, especially given the amount of people having walked the same path without looking down. Hint mm-hmm. hint. He picked up the piece of paper that would shape the future of his life and was about to put it in his pocket when a woman sitting on a bench nearby spoke to him. That luck of yours is incredible. In fact, you should you shouldn't settle for that ticket. This week's pool is at sixty million, so wouldn't you rather want that? The man agreed he would, but wondered how that would come about. The woman, who also recently turned her life around, laid out the strategy. I will buy your lottery ticket for the paycheck in my pocket so you get something immediately, and I'll give you the seat on the bench so you can find this week's ticket. With your luck, that'll be a piece of cake. The man, finding logic in the woman's plan, agreed to the terms and traded the lottery ticket for her modest paycheck. He placed himself on the bench and, not unlike a hawk, gazed upon the sidewalk with great expectations. <laughs> well done. I appreciate it. That's how I... That's my analysis for the Dantich trade. Yeah. I, I'm not as down on the hawk's haul as you. Like, they're, they're, I mean, everyone has taken this angle. I'm not... I, I'm not stealing this from anyone in particular because literally every analysis of the Hawks trade I've seen has just been they're trying to create poor man's Golden State with Trey Young at five and Kevin Herter at nineteen. Mm-hmm. Up, like okay, I'm fine with it. Let's see, I you know they're gonna the Hawks are one of those teams I said at the top of the episode where there aren't many teams I see are gonna be like really bad next year. The Hawks are probably one of the ones that are, especially. They're presumably going to find a taker for Dennis Schroeder at some point. I'd say the Trey Young selection says Schroeder is out of there, um, even though they're they're trying to feign like the two could play together. But it strikes me as like a Steph Curry Montel Ellis thing all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, they've got an interesting foundation with those two guys, and I love Torian Prince. I love John Collins. Right. But like the Hawks are going to be most likely are going to suck something awful next year. So. Maybe that was part of the design. Like maybe they thought Doncic is gonna prevent them from. No, being... don't go there with that logic. That's it, so flawed it, logic. Don't go there, Brian. Be. I don't know. Maybe there's so, like there aren't that many really bad teams. Let's so, go. So let me get this straight. Let pick. me get this straight. Oh, we have a chance to draft Anthony Davis, but <laughs> next year uh, we might not have a chance to go first overall again when we have a significantly worse player. Right. Uh, at at our possible disposal. So let's not let's not go for for Anthony Davis. Let's go for the worst player next year. I yeah, mean, they, they clearly we just weren't sold on Luca, and they it seems like they wanted Trey more than Luca. They just couldn't justify taking Trey at three at when Luca three, was still on the board. Yeah. So I like Trey. Just yeah. I mean, I'm not crabbing on Trey. I really right. like Trey. I just don't think there's any comparison 
to having the guy who is rated the number one player in the entire draft fall to three, which is essentially you winning that goddamn lottery ticket (laughs) and then handing it over. That's just, no, Brian, I'm not going to, no. And and Kevin uh, Herter, like that, yeah, he's fine, but you had so many other superior options at the table. And then who's the 30th pick? Omari Spellman. Come on. Mm-hmm. You had Ellie Okobo going a pick later. I mean, Mitchell Robinson would have been a better pick at that point. Like, yeah. they, as far as I saw, I see it. Oh, by the way, they also drafted uh, Devontae Graham and sent, it him, and sent him to Charlotte. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, yeah. every pick they made, you would you would have had a superior option there. And the first time they actually chose a guy at thirty four with Devontae Graham, who was like, Oh, that's a good pick for that you know, for that slot, right. they moved his ass. Yeah. I know Brad Rowland of Peachtree Hoops was especially pissed about the Devontae Graham thing. Because he for that reason, he was like, We have so many roster spots and young players and why? Why are you doing that? They, they it, think they got yeah. two second round picks for it. Well, la di da. Yeah, I know. I know. Or, sorry, if I should use a Fox News term. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, (laughs) thank you all for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed. Stay with us for the next couple weeks. We're going to be pumping out a lot of stuff on free agency, especially. We will be with you through the LeBron saga, through and through. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. I'm just going to take this chance, actually, to plug my Patreon. It's uh, for for Danish fans out there, uh, because it's in Danish, so... I mean, you're welcome, Americans, to to support it to support me. You just won't understand a damn a damn thing. But <laughs> for the Danes, you can go into Patreon.com/slash/MSJNBA, and uh, you can get access. I have level one and level two access for a lot of stuff. I'm gonna have like a daily summer blog and everything going on. So you can go in there and support my work. I really appreciate it because the more support I get, the more I can turn this into some sort of full time profession, which would be fantastic because that means more time with you brian all right yeah in that case everyone give him a follow uh yeah check do you do you have it in your twitter bio as well now oh yeah good oh yeah all right it's yes. my it's my pinned tweet perfect actually yeah then go to msj nba on twitter you can find the link there uh in the meantime everyone please donate some more so he can go buy a wendell carter jersey uh, let's not let's not you know go nuts brian <laughs> All right, later, man. Later.